Hello, welcome once again to the Vineyard as we continue on in our study through the Old Testament. We're working through it pretty much a chapter at a time, although sometimes we'll pick up an extra chapter or two or do a half a chapter, but uh, we're working our way through Leviticus right now. We've done five years plus in the New Testament in the last three years or so have been in the Old Testament. We've done all of Genesis, all of Exodus, and we're pretty much through Leviticus. In fact, tonight we'll probably wrap up Leviticus and uh, we'll start in Numbers next Wednesday. Really excited about Numbers? So, uh, <laughs> but there's always, so like I told you when I started Leviticus, it was like, oh my goodness, I could probably do this in a in a short period of time, but um, uh, there's a lot of stuff in there, and we've covered a lot of Leviticus um, in the journey, so um, tonight I'm going to do a little of 24 and a little of 25, and I think that will get us through um, what's sort of left you can, you can read as you go through, but I wanted to um, highlight these things as I think they're important. We spent a lot of time last week uh, looking through the seven feasts and what that means, and so... Uh, We'll do 24 and 25 today, and that'll wind us up. So, um, like I said, remember last week, Leviticus 23, if there was one chapter of Scripture that, um, that the uh, Hebrew people were sure to know, it was Leviticus 23, because it outlined all seven feasts, and it also dated them, so that they knew when to um, celebrate them throughout the year, because it helped them get the first one figured out, for, and once they could go from there, and they could do that with things that were happening in seasons and everything, then they could count off days from there every year to make sure they hit the most important one to them, which was the Day of Atonement. If they missed that, they got outed. They were no longer to be allowed to be a part of their people, so um, they made sure they hit the Day of Atonement, which has another name. Do you guys know what they call it? Rosh Hashanah, that's right. Very good. And so even today, you will see when it's Rosh Hashanah that a lot of people that you might see normally like on TV and stuff are not there. And it, it, because that, that day, 24 hours, they do nothing uh, except hang out and don't work and do those things. Um, but we looked through the feast and I said, you know, prophetically, we believe or I believe that of the seven feasts, four have been fulfilled already prophetically. Um, you know, with Jesus filled the first three. Right, so Passover, um, unleavened bread, and early first fruits, um, he fulfilled. And then uh, the Holy Spirit came and fulfilled Pentecost. All right to the day and time and when those things should happen, perfectly fulfilled. Feast number five is trumpets, and that's the one we're waiting on. Between the fourth one and the fifth one was a season of harvest, and it was the big harvest, the summer harvest. There were two little harvests, that early first fruits, Remember, it was when Jesus with the 500 that came out of the tombs. On that, that was a first harvest. The second harvest was Pentecost. That would have been the next harvest, of, bigger than the first harvest, but not the big harvest of the year. Pentecost, 3,000 men plus women and children added to the church. Another harvest. The big harvest happens at the end of that sort of summer season, and it ended with trumpet sound. And we're prophetically waiting for trumpet sound. When we know that, that when we looked at Scripture, trumpet sounds... That means that that time is over. And so we're waiting for number five prophetically. And then after that, atonement happens. And we sort of had a quick discussion last week. Because our atonement has come in Christ, I think at number five, the church is sort of up with Jesus and he's doing business with 
what's left. And there's opportunities, I think, for Israel and some folks to come in that process. And then Tabernacles happens, and we're all, everything gets set back right, and, and uh, you know, everything is dealt with, and we're reestablished with God in new relationship, uh, this relationship, but, you know, everything, new bodies, new heaven, new earth, all the neat stuff recreated, very cool things happening at that point in time. So, uh, that's what's coming up. And then, um, you know, we're going to continue on as he, he, we work through the rest of Leviticus 24. And um, it picks back up on some of the things that we looked at in Exodus about the lampstand and the bread. And then I do want to do a little discussion on uh, the uh, Sabbath year, the seven-year rest and the year of Jubilee because those are pretty interesting. And we'll talk about those. So with the... Um, with the lampstand that we talked about in Exodus and the, and the bread, it's a pretty neat picture because they talk about the presence of God. Sometimes people think that there's this great distance between them and God, that somehow He's out of reach. And uh, that's uh, it's not true about who God is. God is with us. God is for us. He's uh, ever-present. And He's available to everyone who, who comes to Him in Christ. And there's this idea happens through this lampstand and that there's this light surrounding God. It's a bright light that leads people into His presence. And that's very much the message of the lampstand in the passage we're going to read. And um, this bread that's mentioned that we're going to talk about, it's a holy bread that can satisfy the deep hunger of the human heart if a person will just partake of that bread. And uh, and we know that bread to be Christ. So, so God wants people to know that He can be reached. And that was a picture. There's a light that's shining brightly so people can, can be led into His presence. And there's a bread that will satisfy the deep emptiness of our souls. But, you know, to do that, a person has to approach God following the light and he has to partake of the bread being offered by God. There's amazing symbols, right? Throughout the Old Testament, when you read them and when you can understand how they're fulfilled in Christ, it, it just really is amazing. And so let me, um, I'm going to read to you Leviticus 24, 1 through 9. I'm going to read to you Leviticus 25, 1 through 12. Those were in the notes that were back there. Um, and they should show up on the screens where you can follow along. And then we'll discuss those two passages today. Leviticus 24, beginning in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light so that the lamps may be kept burning continually. Outside the curtain of the testimony in the tent of meeting, Aaron is to tend the lamps before the Lord from evening till morning continually. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. The lamps on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord must be tended continually. Take fine flour and bake twelve loaves of bread using, using two-tenths of an ephah for each loaf. Set them in two rows, six in each row, on the table of pure gold before the Lord. Along each row, put some pure incense as a memorial portion to represent the bread and to be an offering made to the uh, Lord by fire. This bread is to be set out before the Lord regularly, Sabbath after Sabbath, on behalf of the Israelites as a lasting covenant. It belongs to Aaron and his sons who are to eat it in a holy place because it is a most holy part of their regular share of the offerings made to the Lord by fire. We'll talk about that in just a second. Let me go ahead and read to you Leviticus 25 verses 1 through 12. The Lord said to Moses on Mount Sinai, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I'm going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. 
For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a Sabbath of rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, your manservant, your maidservant, your hired worker and temporary resident live among you, as well as for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. Whatever the land produces may be eaten. Count off seven Sabbaths of years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbaths of years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sound everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of the trumpet, trumpet, on the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each one of you is to return to his family property and each to his own clan. The fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines. For it is a jubilee and is to be holy for you. Eat only was taken directly from the fields. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. So, like I said, I want to talk about the lampstand, I want to talk about the bread, uh, and then I want to talk about the Sabbath year and the year of Jubilee. And we're going to do that pretty quickly. So, in our previous studies in Exodus, we talked about the lampstand in great detail. Uh, we talked about its design in Exodus 25, we talked about the instructions governing, governing it in Exodus 27. And where it was to be placed in the tabernacle, we looked at in Exodus 40. And there's a couple of really important things, I think, that, that uh, we can get from the lampstand. So first, the lampstand's a symbol of Christ, the light of the world. Uh, Jesus gives a clear light and open access into the presence of God. Um, the way into God's presence can be seen clearly through Jesus Christ. In fact, it's the brightest light ever lit is the light of Christ into God's presence. And, and, and so He has made a way possible for us. Um, and um, it, once we understand that, that that's our way to God, then, then we have access through Him. Um, and, and so He's the light uh, of, the, of the world, of the universe, giving light into God's presence for every person to enter. He makes it possible. He's the He's the one that makes it possible. Um, in, in John 1, 4, it said, you know, in him was life, and he was the light of uh, people or men. And Jesus said in John 8, I am the light of the world. Um, so he's making it clear what's happening, that he's the way. He lights up the way into the world. John 12, I came a light to, into the world that whoever believes in me should no longer um, walk in darkness. John 12, 46. So um, it's very clear that that's who he is. And that's what is um, being pictured here with this lampstand. It's a picture of Christ lighting up uh, the way to God, which is in Christ. Another thing from the lampstand is that the people had a responsibility for the oil that kept the light burning. And what's interesting is that when you read about oil in the, in the Scriptures, it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so... Believers are responsible for keeping the light of Christ burning brightly before the eyes of people. Um, so as believers filled with the Holy Spirit, we're, we're to bring that life and, and the power of the Holy Spirit um, into the, the world around us so people can see it. We talk about this being living invitation. See, as the Holy Spirit works in us, we understand we're a people of mission and that 
Um, we then enter into this whole thing. Jesus is the light of the world, but he, he tells us that, that we're to be lights into the world as well, as we model Him. Um, yeah, Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world, and, and a city that's set on a hill can't be, can't be hidden. Um, and so His light then shines through us by the Holy Spirit, and, and we are part of that way that helps people come to know Christ so that they can find their way into the kingdom and into the presence of God. And Ephesians 5, it says, you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. One of my favorite verses in Philippians 2.5, um, it says that we're to shine as lights or stars in the world. So the, the 2.15, uh, Philippians. And so this is a, an amazing picture of what's taking place. The lampstand, and I like that, that Jesus is, is the picture, is the symbol, but that we were responsible for the oil. The Holy Spirit comes, and, and our, we have a part in this process too. And that's very cool. That was the plan of the Lord. Um, secondly, the bread. Uh, the bread was also known as the presence. I don't even remember that, but it was called the bread of presence because it, it refers to the presence of God. And uh, the, the whole, this bread was set on a little table um, that was known as the show bread or the table of the holy bread. And we talked all about the bread in Exodus 25, 37, 40, and on and on. So we've gone through that. But a couple neat pictures about the bread that we need to be aware of. First, um, the bread, is a, it's a picture of God's people. And there it's a picture of the 12 tribes of Israel. It's set in six rows, six six in a row, two rows, and how it sort of sets their lives before the face of God. And in effect, they're offering and placing themselves under His care. And it's a picture of how we're to come before the Lord, and we're to offer ourselves to the Lord. We, we set ourselves uh, before the face of God, trusting Him to take care of us. And, and um, it, it's a picture of um, knowing that we can trust Him, and that God will look after us, and that that God will, will lead us um, in this journey. Uh, and, uh, you know, that is a picture to me of Romans 12, 1 and 2, where, you know, it's, Paul said, you know, I beseech you to, by the mercy of God, you present yourselves as a, as a holy, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service or reasonable act of worship. And that um, it's, a, it's a picture of what's going on with the bread um, there. And so we're included in that. It's also the bread, symbol of Christ. Uh, and again, because Jesus tells us He's the bread of life. And, and so the bread sitting before the face of God is a, is a symbol that God fulfills His covenant and, and that He satisfies men's hunger, the hunger in their souls in Christ. That's a hunger that can be met in Him. It's, um, I don't know everybody's experience here on, on how, how you came to know the Lord, but um, as a so I, as I, I've told you this, you know, I didn't grow up in, as a believer. Um, and it's, it's something I never even heard of. I never even heard the gospel until I was 18. And, uh, and then it was like, so it wasn't really directed at me. It was directed to my roommate in college. And I was kind of poo-pooing it the whole time. And uh, get that kook out of the room. And uh, it's really where I was at. Uh, and then, you know, another set of circumstances and... I'd met somebody who was very kind to me, and I told you that he, he started bringing me a sandwich for lunch because I would I was working this summer job as a as a field hand as an engineer assistant kind of, and um, 
my, I, I didn't really live there, so I was staying in this little $7 a night boarding house with no kitchen privileges, and I didn't have much money, and so I was just eating dinner um, at the Pizza Hut for two ninety nine, all you can eat. Uh, don't, don't feel too bad for me. I was hurting Pizza Hut. <laughs> it was like every night buffet, they would look at me and shake their head, and I'd give them my three bucks, and I ate more than three bucks worth. But anyway... Um, and then I would just go all day and not eat and, and pick it up next day. You know, 18, 19, you can do that stuff. But anyway, this guy one day was sitting there and he said, would you like a sandwich? Yeah, I have two. Does it fly still there? There's a fly. Stop it. <laughs> that would be great if I could do that, wouldn't it? And then act like it was no big deal. But I digress. So anyway, I was telling a story. So, uh, and, and you might have heard it, but it, it impacts me. So this guy told me, well, here, I have two sandwiches. You have one. And he had, gave me that sandwich. It was great because I was hungry. And you, you wait on my having any kind of food is a big deal to me. So sandwich. So, and I always joke that that was the only time he ever had two sandwiches. Every after that, he brought me a sandwich every day after that. But he always had three sandwiches. So the first one was the major sacrifice. Because he only had one sandwich that day. After that, he just made a third. Still a big deal, but you get what I mean. But anyway, um, he was a strong believer, and I certainly was not. And, and he befriended me anyway. And uh, he, he was older than me, had a family. But, uh, and he would have me over to dinner, and I was, it was pretty cool. Anyway, uh, over time, he sort of shared with me his beliefs. And uh, uh, at one point when something had happened pretty significant in my life. He spent the entire night sharing the gospel with me. And I got it, and I understood it. I just, I, maybe I've told you, I couldn't figure out how Christians had fun. So I said no to him and the invitation. I just couldn't see it. Um, I get it now, but I didn't then. And he gave me his Bible, which I still have, which was very cool. But uh, four or five years later, when the Holy Spirit sort of worked on me again, that whole thing came into my mind. And I said, okay, my, you know, Lord, if you're real, here I am. And uh, that changed everything. But I say all that to say that, that there were times in that stretch when I was chasing after all sorts of things. And I, I can remember vividly uh, being awake in the middle of the night, lots of nights, and just sort of being so out of sorts and kind of rocking and going, the, the, something deep inside, there has to be something I'm missing. And uh, it was the, this hunger for God that can only be satisfied by him and people try and deaden it all sorts of ways but it was very real and I think it still is and so this, this, uh, that hunger can only be satisfied by Jesus and so that's a picture of what the bread does and uh, in John 6 it said the bread of God comes down from heaven to give life to the world uh, and again in John 6 Jesus says I am the bread of life John 35 so it's John 6 35 so it's a picture of those things so we have that happening in the lampstand and the showbread. Now, in Leviticus 25, two cool things uh, that I wanted to talk about. So, uh, you remember right after creation, God rested on the Sabbath day, and the, the idea of a Sabbath rest was one of the earliest institutions uh, established by God. The seventh day was to be set apart, very special way. It was to be remembered as the day of the Lord, a day to be kept holy, and people were to use that day for rest and worship. That's what was supposed to happen. Now he adds a, an additional institution to that, and uh, it was known as the seventh year, a sabbatical year, and it was uh, to be a year when the, the land would lie fallow. Remember, he was giving them this amazing, productive, fruitful land, 
that was going to be theirs, and he was setting some things on it. He said, okay, so at six years, you do your thing. The seventh year, you don't, you don't farm it. You, don't, you let it lie fallow. If it produces anything, you can eat what kind of pops up in the field, but don't work it. Don't tend it. Don't, don't go and make it right. You just completely take a break. And this was before, you know, farmers knew about the wisdom of rotating crops and the other things that you know about now, but it was, it was really good for the land, the lie fallow. It was also... Um, really important for his people. And so one of the things that it was doing was teaching his people that they could trust him. This was a big deal now saying, okay, we're not going to do it for a year. If you think about it, we're not, we're, we're not working the land for a year. They were going to have to completely trust that, that in that process um, that, that it was going to take care of itself. That somehow in this sixth year there was going to be enough rain and enough seed and that he would control the insects and that there would be enough crops produced that year to, to get them through. There'd be a long season of fruitful harvest and that, that combined with what would just sort of happen um, in the fallow land, that was going to get them through. They had to trust that God was going to do that. And uh, it also speaks against um, covetousness. Uh, by, by keeping the, the, this, this Sabbath year it was sort of reinforcing the Exodus 20, you shall not covet. Um, and so that was happening with that year. Now, interestingly, the people didn't do it. They didn't do a lot of stuff God taught them to do. Uh, they just went, yeah, we're not doing that one. And so they didn't do it. Here's, this is pretty interesting, though. For 490 years, they didn't do it. So they missed 70 years of letting the ground lie fallow. The first time that the people are exiled taken out of that land to another place. You know how long it is till they get back? Seventy years. He gets his Sabbath rest out of the land because the land needed it, told him to do it. Then they get to go back. It's crazy, right? But that's, a, that's an amazing thing. We'll see that later on. We'll read about that um, in Second Chronicles 36, 21. They're taken by the Babylonians and they're gone for 70 years, exactly the amount of years that they refused to listen to the, um, the Lord in that process. But the basic idea is um, beyond that, it was a time where they were supposed to get to know the Lord better. This was important to God. And it still is. The, the Sabbath day was about that and the Sabbath year was about that. That they would just be moving towards Him and learning about Him and drawing closer to Him. That's what He wanted in this relationship. He gathered His people. He protected them. He brought them out of slavery. He given them this land. And He wanted to have this amazing relationship with Him. And um, they would choose, by and large, not to do that. Uh, too busy, doing other things. We have to be careful of the same thing. So he wants us to live in, in, you know, word and in prayer. And, you know, one of my favorite verses is up on the wall. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. He was teaching them that. Uh, dramatically, it's something he wanted them to know, that he'll provide for us and provide for our needs. Okay, so quickly, the year of rest um, was was one thing, and then there was a year of Jubilee, which was fascinating. So that was every 50 years, there was to be a year of Jubilee. And um, that, that just sort of proclaims one of the greatest messages of God about the freedom and redemption that is found in Him. Do you know Le um, Leviticus 25.10 is actually inscribed on the Liberty Bell? Proclaim liberty throughout all the land. So... Uh, in that year, everything was set free. If a person had sold or mortgaged his land, it was set free and returned to its original owner. 
If a person had sold himself or his labor as a slave in order to eat and live, he was set free. All debts and financial obligations were written off as well as all later. Pretty cool, right? I mean, and, and you know, they were living about that long. So most people would experience one. And you think, well, everybody would be trying to get a mortgage when they knew the next year everything was going to be free. Well, you, you probably couldn't get a mortgage because uh, they're like, well, that ain't happening. But, uh, but still... God didn't, see, God knew about people and that somehow, you know, some people would take advantage of other folks and some people would, and he wanted this land that he was giving them as a gift to keep coming back to the people that it belonged to, see? That was his heart. And that, that so every 50 years he was going to set everything back right. All, it was returned to the family of the original owner and everybody got their homestead back. Home, and uh, that, that, that word jubilee, uh, it's yobel in Hebrew, it's the, it's the blowing of a ram's horn. Anytime you see about Trump, it's a pretty important thing. And um, so th this thing would be sort of noticed this year by people blowing these horns. And so in every year of Jubilee, um, every person returned to the land, the promised land that was originally given to them. There's a big symbol here, right? So remember, we were originally created in Adam and Eve in perfect communion with God in this perfect land. And, and when Jesus comes back and sets everything in order, um, that's what we're going to have again. You know, he recreates this, this deal that we're at right now. So, I mean, it's not like we're just up there in the clouds forever. Everything is recreated. And we have access to everything. You'll be dwelling here, and he'll be dwelling with us. But it'll be perfect, and so will you. So imagine everything without sin having messed up everything. And so that's what we have. And this is a picture of um, this hope that we all have of eternity in Christ. All of us being back in the relationship we were created for uh, on this journey. And um, so we have that happening. And also, in that year, every debt was paid. And every person was set free to return home. It's another big picture of what happens with us. See, our, our debt is paid. Our, the, the, the sin debt that we've all acquired is paid and set free by Christ. He cancels that note of debt for us. And, um, and so we're free from that whole process. Romans 6.22, but being made free from sin, you become servants of God. You, you have fruit now unto holiness and uh, into eternal life. So... These are some neat pictures of what's happening and this, this ultimate, you know, jubilee that we experience in Christ. And so you, all these pictures are of Christ, the lampstand and the, the bread, but also we're included in that, right? So we bring the oil, the Holy Spirit's in us, we, we come and be the process, we're, we're, we're part of this journey with the bread. It represents us, you know, giving our lives to Him and trusting in Him. And these, these pictures of what's going on in these years are just brilliant. Uh, about what God intended and how He does it. And I love that idea of jubilee and everything being set free and everybody giving back the land that was promised to them by God. And uh, it's theirs. And that's what's coming for us. So that's the heart of those things. And uh, as I said, we'll, we'll probably pick up in Numbers 1 next week. But uh, we're going to call it a day right there. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. Come and visit us when you can. If you need prayer, go to the website. And there's a prayer page there and we'll pray for you and we hope to see you soon.